0: Welcome back to the To the Heights podcast. I am so glad that you are here. This is Olivia Colombo. I'm a young Catholic changemaker, and I am so excited to be embarking on this project of sharing the stories of the young people of the Catholic Church and those who minister to them. The title of our podcast, To the Heights, is a translation of the quote Verso Lealto by Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, a 24 year old student and lover of mountain climbing who is on his way to canonization because he dedicated his life to caring for the poor and the vulnerable. His catchphrase, To the Heights, serves as a prayer and a reminder to keep on working and achieving for the glory of God. Today's guest is no exception. She is certainly reaching to the heights. We are going to be chatting with Angelique Clark, who is in her third year at the University of Las Vegas. She started Life Dress, um, which is a super cool pro-life activism movement organization that I came across on Instagram um, about a year ago. And she paints, hand paints um, pro-life messages onto thrifted dresses, um, which two-part allows people to share and speak what they believe and wear it um, and make a statement that way. Also, through thrifting the dresses, she is taking a stand against fast fashion and how that ties into the abortion industry. Um, You'll hear more about all of that later. She is super cool. She's the president of Rebels for Life at the University of Las Vegas. Um, She's studying journalism and she sued her high school. Um, fun fact um, when they would not let her start a pro life club. And spoiler alert, she won. Um, she was such a joy to talk to, super sweet, super inspiring, and just so many good points. Um, I feel like lately I've been wrestling with the pro life movement um, in a lot of ways, um, just struggling with the amount of the lack of compassion sometimes. Um, but I think it's the young people especially people who are involved with Students for Life Um, and just this new pro-life generation who are truly bringing it to the table. We understand that pro-life is pro-love and that means that we have to treat every single person that we encounter with dignity. Uh, We can't be so focused on protecting the pre-born that we forget about the born and that we forget about other um, vulnerable um, people in our society and just the ordinary people that we encounter who might disagree with us. They have just as much dignity and are worth just as much amount of our care and our attention and our love when interacting with them. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is truly what it means to be pro-life. And Angelique certainly embodies that. And I'm so excited for you to hear this special thing that she's doing, um, life dress, using her artistic talents um, and her power in activism um, to spread the word, um, to spread the good news, and to spread love. So... Without further ado, here's Angelique and her story of Reaching to the Heights. All right, we are here at the To the Heights podcast in the Catholic TV studio in Watertown, and I am so excited um, to have a very exciting guest on. Would you like to introduce yourself, just your name, and where you're from?
1: Yeah, so... Thank you for having me. Um, I'm Clark, and I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada.
0: Very cool. Um, And you have an awesome, awesome pro-life project. The the topic of this podcast is going to be centered around pro-life activism um, and how people can contribute to the pro-life movement with their own gifts and talents in their own ways, um, which Mm -hmm. you are certainly, certainly doing. Um, Would you like to tell us a little bit about what life dress is?
1: Yes. So, Life Dress is a project that I launched last April. Uh, It was kind of, there was a few different reasons why I started it, but ultimately the goal is to wear what uh, you believe and to share a style that speaks for life and something that can start conversations. So, I started it um, after actually wearing a dress to a... Um, Pregnancy Resource Center benefit um, in October of 2018, and it was inspired by a dress that Joy Villa wore to the Grammys that had a, a fetus with a heart on it, and she actually like reshared it, and that kind of inspired me and propelled me to keep making um, like hand painting dresses, and so then I wore one to a Students for Life gala in Denver in April. And that's when uh, Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students for Life, saw it, and she was like, oh, I want one. (laughs) And then I made one for her and myself at the New York City Gala, and it kind of just propelled from there. People were asking me, like, oh, I'd want to wear a hand-painted pro-life dress. Mm. So I just fell into this this niche of hand-painted pro-life dresses, and then it it evolved, and I, I now do thrifted pro-life dresses so that I can, you know, halt the um, fast fashion industry that contributes ultimately to the abortion industry. Mm -hmm. And it just propelled into this, this larger project to reach people through art, because I believe, you know, art has the power Mm -hmm. to speak louder than words. And when we wear art, we can, we can capture that um, in public and in different settings and start conversations about abortion because that's ultimately what's most important. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So true. Um, and I, I saw that you started to sell these like pre-loved dresses, thrifted dresses that you've painted pro-life yes. messages onto. Um, and I don't know, in the back of my head, I was hoping that it, it was something related to like, um, like rejecting fast fashion. Um, mm-hmm. would you like to talk about that? That's so cool that yes, you're doing that. Absolutely. It's so cool the connection Thank you. that you've seen in it being something pro-life. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually it's interesting because a lot of people didn't realize I've always been thrifting them since the the first ones I've ever made. Um, So what I did was I would thrift mine, and then when people wanted theirs, they would send theirs in, so I didn't have control over, you know, what dresses people were sending in. I encouraged um, thrifted dresses, but ultimately it was up to them. Yeah. But all the dresses that I made for myself, uh, I found at thrift stores, and uh, it's just something that I've always done over the past... I started doing that the past couple years once I learned what... Fast fashion does the impact that it has on human capital globally, you know, and um, and just the treatment people have in these countries that, where they're forced to work. And um, and ultimately, it comes back down to the abortion industry, too, where they're forced into labor and they can't have their children. They, they're forced to have abortions. And it's it's a lot. It's a, it's a larger conversation for sure. But ultimately, I knew I wanted to make a difference in that Fear as well and combine the efforts mm. to talk about both things at once and uh so that's when I, I launched pre-love to pro-life collection on life dress and that's how I, I started doing the dresses that are um pre-loved
0: that's beautiful how many dresses yeah. do you think that you've painted and I know that it's not just dresses do you want to tell us about some of the other things that you've started to sell
1: yes so I honestly can't even tell you the, the exact amount of dresses I've made because I haven't really kept too much track and yeah. so busy, but probably upwards of about like 30 to 50. I actually, wow. yeah, I'm really bad at estimating, yeah. but a Still lot. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> um, and I also do uh, bags. Um, I'm just starting to do tote bags. I've done, uh, we do baseball caps and uh, like beanies. Let's see. Oh, men's ties are, like, one of the most popular items, actually.
0: Really? Huh.
1: And scrunchies. Yeah. Scrunchies are also a popular item.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen those. Those are adorable. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um. All right, so you are at the University of Las Vegas, right? Yes. And you're studying journalism. I am, yes. yeah. Yeah. I, I have a minor in journalism, too, so I oh, feel you there. Nice. I love journalism. I'm the managing editor of our paper at BC. Um, oh, cool! So all journalism all the time over here. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about what you do at um, the University of Las Vegas in terms of pro-life activism? Sure.
1: So, from a official standpoint, I'm the president of Rebels for Life, um, and so I, I kind of relaunched the students for life group there Um it had existed in past years but I kind of re picked it back up and got a new group going and rebranded to rebels for life um, and we're currently doing a lot of work with uh, like anti-planned parenthood mm-hmm. type of campaigning we're doing a hashtag take back pink so we've rebranded to entirely hot pink everything to make a stance um, on campus wow so we table every week we the goal is to have conversations and open dialogue with students about abortion and about how horrible Planned Parenthood is for women and children. Mm. Um, and and also we encourage like people who don't believe in the pro-life movement to be a part of our club because yeah. we want to have people with different views to come and discuss and find the truth together, which ultimately is you know the, the pre-born or hu- human life that we need to value and protect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you've done some work for Students for Life as a whole, right? Graphic design? Yes. Yeah. What mm-hmm. have you done there?
1: So I started, I started with Students for Life back um, when I was in high school, which is like a whole other thing. But um, so I've always been volunteering with them and just trying to find any opportunity I could to work with Students for Life because they're such an awesome organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I became an intern officially like a little bit over a year ago. Okay. And then um, I started doing more graphic design for them, which I'd been doing for past years. So I would just make graphics for them and send it to them. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can use this. <laughs> so then I, I uh, suggested an official position. And so now I work as a graphic designer for Students for Life. So I make a lot of, like, the, the illustrations and drawings to share the truth about the pro-life movement. Mm,
0: very cool. What's an example of a project that you've loved doing for them?
1: Ooh, that would probably be like T-shirt designs. Mm. Um, some of my favorite designs that I've done were the ones for T-shirts, like yeah. the uh, "Empowered Women" "Empower Women to Choose a Life" T-shirt, the flowers on top. Yeah, I, I, I came one. up with that like on a napkin one time, and yeah. then I was like, "Oh, this could be like kind of a cool design." Um, and then other projects, just like working on their, the tour, the tour buttons for the spring tour um just it's amazing to see your designs in action you know and see people using them and and benefiting from them to start conversations
0: Mm, that's so cool yeah and i i love the empowered women um (laughs) shirt i actually wore it so kristen hawkins was one of my like first podcast guests which is not wow (laughs) not what i expected to be one of my first podcast podcast guests but i Mm -hmm. have been on the executive board of bc's pro-life club and um we had her come speak last, I think it was last March. Um, and I asked her if she would swing by the podcast studio beforehand. And she oh, said wow. yes. That's um, awesome. Yeah, so I wore that shirt with her um, before I even <laughs> knew that it was you who designed it, which that's very cool. <laughs> All comes full circle. Um, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I do want to talk about your high school experience. Um, that is something that I want to know more about. I've been following you in Life Dress uh, for a while now on Instagram. But mm-hmm. when you posted a few weeks ago, uh, like a, I don't know, like an introduction post, um, mm-hmm. and you were like, oh, and I sued my high school. <laughs> I was like, okay, I want to know more. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us that story?
1: Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very long story, so I'll try to be brief about it. <laughs> but essentially, um, when I was in, I think it was, yeah, in the sophomore year, well, the beginning of freshman year, actually, is when I – I consider the time when I really became a pro-life activist. Um, I learned about abortion, um, kind of from an, um, a health class. Well, I, I was cho- I chose a topic of abortion for my health class to do my project on. My teacher wasn't too thrilled about it, but I went with it anyway. And that kind of I think the reason why I did that was because he wasn't thrilled about it. And I was like, why is this issue something that people want to shy away from? You know? Yeah. And so I went and I did a ton of research. And the more research that I did on abortion, the more I became just like emotionally like enraged and just sad. And once I found the truth about abortion, I couldn't, I told myself I could never look back. You know, I had to, I had to dedicate my life to stopping this horrific crime. Um, And so because, and because I was in high school, I, you know, I, I was surrounded by my peers all the time, and so I ended up talking about this issue with a lot of them. Just haphazardly, you know, in between lunch, just randomly, I would, I would bring up the research I was doing, because I had to tell somebody, you know, I was like, why is no one talking about this? Mm-hmm. And so eventually towards sophomore year, I was like, you know, there's, there's clubs for this kind of stuff, you know, like for, for interest groups and special, special topics since Mm -hmm. lunchtime and and in a class isn't the best time to do this. So I looked into starting the club. Yeah. I went to the office and I, you know, asked for an application and did everything a normal other club had done and was successful at doing to get a club. So, I, I sent out the application with, a, with an advisor, which was required. I had to have an advisor, which, interestingly, was a pro-choice teacher, oh. who was my biology teacher, um, and she was open to doing it, which I've always admired to this day. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I had her signature on the application. You know, I had my, I went around to, like, all my classes and announced, um, like, can you sign this form so I can have 10 students to be interested in, you know, getting interest with the students. Yeah, I really put myself out there which was very uncharacteristic for me because I'd actually homeschooled till 8th grade mm-hmm. and so public school was already something like you know pretty intense and very new territory for me so um, there was something about this issue that really like on a, on a side note really took me out of my comfort zone you know and it has since
0: mm-hmm.
1: hence why I'm doing this podcast right now <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway so I, I had everything I needed for this application and I submitted it and I heard nothing back. I heard nothing back for like a solid couple of months, honestly. Wow. And yeah, so it was crazy. I was like, why are they not getting back to me? Yeah. And then I heard through one of my friends that she was like, "Oh, I heard from someone else that your your um, application was a no-go." And for some reason that phrase stayed with me yeah. for so long. Just like the concept of someone just being like, "Oh, it's it's a no-go." Like just writing it off, you know. Yeah. Like with no thought. And so I, I went and looked into it and I went to the office and I was like, um, hi, I, I submitted an application. Can I know what happened to it? And they told me, yeah, it's denied. You, you won't have your club. <clears throat> so immediately I went home and I started doing research and I came across the Equal Access Act and I came across, of course, the First Amendment um, and all the rights that I had as a student. So I typed up a uh, letter which ended up coincidentally being almost identical to the demand letter that my lawyers would later send. Um, And I typed up this letter very professionally. I tried not to be too, you know, um, sassy or anything, Mm -hmm. and submitted this letter describing the First Amendment for the administrators. Yeah. And they ignored me. Oh, wow. And finally, after about a month and a half, I contacted my vice principal and requested a meeting with him and in this meeting it was about honestly it felt like an eternity but it was probably like less than an hour maybe Mm. it was just him and i i should have brought someone with me but i know i was i thought i could do it on my own (laughs) and and he essentially bullied me he he told me that i was too young to talk about this issue which i which floored me you know because girls can get abortions at the same age that i was requesting this club yeah yeah um he told me that there were just more people that were more educated on the issue to talk about it and it was too controversial and that pro choice people would feel left out which i'd said multiple times you know this is a club that's completely inclusive yeah. all people are are welcome to join this club in fact i named it pro choice for life club later on because i wanted you know include other people and point out that you know this is all a human issue that we're all a part of yeah anyways so he obviously didn't, didn't uh agree with my rebuttals that i had for him in that meeting and continued to say the club isn't going to happen mm. i think i knew the whole time when i was sitting there that it would happen eventually but it wouldn't happen right away yeah and so i left and it was very disheartening um but at the bottom of my, like, from my, the pit of my soul, I knew that this was my right to have this club, and it would happen. Mm. So my next step was to search. I literally Google searched, what do you do when your school denies your right to start a pro-life club? Mm. <laughs> and I thought I wouldn't get any hits on Google. Yeah. But Students for Life was the top of the list. Yep. And that's how I came in contact with Students for Life. And so I talked to... Um, I talked to my R.C. that I later learned was my R.C., um, Emily Wilkinson. And she walked me through this whole process, and they got me in touch with uh, the Thomas More Society. Mm. And um, I was fortunate enough to have an incredible amount of publicity on the matter. And it went to national, international news. I was able to share this story while they were denying it and while we were sending demand letters and threatening a lawsuit Mm. This whole process, I was able to, you know, go on like Fox and Friends and Fox News and um, the Greta Show and KNPR and all these different TV, radio, live, all kinds of just behind the scenes, a journalist's wildest dreams kind of thing um, to share this story. And I was invited to speak at different um, like local uh, political clubs and different conferences and events just have this incredible opportunity to share something that happens so often in the United States with with public high school and college students who are denied the right to speak on the issue of abortion from a pro-life stance. Um, so it was almost like such a blessing in disguise that he denied it, you know, and that that the school ultimately denied it. Yeah. So... Um, as this was wrapping up, as they were getting exactly what they didn't want, which was, you know, a bad reputation on the school. People were calling the school constantly to demand that I get the club. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, I was the most hated person on campus. Everybody was like, that's the girl who's, you know, causing a problem. But there was also people who were, you know, cheering me on and stuff. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it was about a year after this whole scenario, a year to a year and a half after this whole thing sort of happened that, um, we went ahead with the lawsuit because they just continually disregarded our demand letters. You know, we didn't want to, we didn't go into it saying, let's sue them. You know, yeah. it was more of like, this is the last resort. This is all we can do to get this club. And, um, one thing I will note that is hilarious that I'll always include in this story is that one time during a, uh, a broadcasting of this story on, I don't remember what channel it was, some, I think it was a local news or something. They actually were reporting that the school had made a statement saying that Angela Clark does not have a advisor signature, like she didn't meet the requirements. Oh. And they were the, the anchor was actually saying this side by side to a photo that they had grabbed of my application that was submitted with the signature of my advisor oh, wow. on it.
0: <laughs>
1: like they were just blatantly lying. Yeah. The school had completely blatantly lied. Wow. Um so yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um after a year so then after that year, we filed a lawsuit
0: mm-hmm.
1: and three days after the lawsuit was filed, they approved the club. The wow. Clark County School District backed down and said, Oh, yeah, the First Amendment exists, that's right, and oh yeah, the Equal Access Act, where students can have a club if all other clubs exist, that's right, that's true. Mm -hmm. And so they just wasted taxpayer money and all this time and all this energy, and we won, ultimately. And now we were able to have a club to share the message of the pro-life movement to all these high school students, and it changed a precedent for all the other 15 plus high schools in in the city of las vegas in the in the county of clark county wow so it was ultimately one of like the most insane experiences of my life and Mm -hmm. something that i'll always uh treasure as the the moment i became a pro-life activist
0: yeah yeah if that's not a jump start into the pro-life movement i don't know what is (laughs) right (laughs) yeah that's a crazy story but so i don't know that speaks to your character and I'm sure, did you have other students who were kind of like rallying around you, like those 10 signatures that you needed, or was it just at this
1: point? I wish it was was something like that. It was more of um, a lot of signatures that I kind of had to get people to, you know, get into the spirit of it, just to sign. But ultimately, I had about maybe one or two people that would sometimes show up to help me. Mm. So it it was kind of, um, it was very hard, honestly. Um, I would table by myself sometimes I would go to meetings I had scheduled thinking people would come and I was sitting alone with my advisor Mm -hmm. so it for a long time it was a lonely road even after all of this work you know and all this crazy stuff to get this thing started yeah um but we did have um, outside uh community members who would come and participate so we did do a lot of awesome events and did a lot of good stuff with the club
0: Mm, yeah what are some of your favorite events that you ended up doing after after the club was approved and after you went through all of this
1: yeah um i think my favorite event that we did was um this idea that i had to do like a thousand or a million hearts, um, just a different number that would represent the amount of abortions that occurred during a certain time frame. And so it was like, we would grab a bunch of butcher paper and had all these people with sherbies and we would just draw just hearts over and over and over. And to display, to show students that this is the visual of how many people are their lives are just taken from abortion and we didn't we didn't really meet the goal that we had but we we drew so many hearts like hundreds and hundreds of hearts wow and i just that that event stands out in my mind as Mm -hmm. something that really created a decent amount of impact
0: yeah yeah that that reminds me my pro-life club is doing one of the next week actually we're doing one of the like graveyard of innocence like displays with Mm -hmm. all the little tiny like crosses Right, um, and we're gonna put them out on the quad like overnight, um yeah, so that that should be interesting how that goes we We have a history of vandalism on our campus, when it comes oh, to yeah, like that.
1: yeah, that one i I know that the specific display always gets a lot of vandalism too, yeah. yep, people um, pull it all out of there,
0: yeah, we have someone like signed up to like watch it for different hours, oh, so nice. <laughs> we're trying, but who knows how that will go, but yeah, I hope it goes well, yeah. <clears throat> How about um, during college so far? What year in college are you?
1: I'm in my third year.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah. Nice. What have you done, like what stands out as some of your favorite pro-life projects that you've done with Rebels for Life?
1: Um, With Rebels for Life, I think my favorite project would be um, our showing of Unplanned. Um, and the, the subsequent, like, tabling that we did with it. So we we worked with Students for Life to get the unplanned movie, yeah. and we tabled from um, a couple of weeks leading up to the event. So we would do a defund Planned Parenthood table and say, like, do you trust Planned Parenthood? Or uh, we did one that says um, women... Uh, abortion hurts women or Planned Parenthood hurts women and talking to students, just having conversations with so many students about the fact that so many of them don't know what Planned Parenthood stands for and what they do and how much they've hurt women and children over the years. Um, And then leading up to that was the showing of Unplanned and just having people see that movie and see the impact that it has. That was definitely by far one of my favorite things that we've done so far on campus. Mm,
0: Yeah. That, I don't know, that's such an impactful event. We also, Students for Life is, are they still, I, I think you can still get the rights through them if people want to do a showing. Yeah, um, I think so too, yeah. maybe. Um, but that was definitely a huge help um, and super impactful on a college campus. And mm-hmm, like, definitely, we, we tried to do, um, I, I like what you're doing about like, take taking back the color pink. Um, mm-hmm. We tried to do that with our poster for Unplanned as well. Um, which is such a shame that that color has been stolen from us. And like, I know, right. A it's crazy. Yeah. Um, that we don't intend it to, but yeah. All right. So I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. So these are all of the things that you have done and you've accomplished a lot as a pro-life activist. And thank you so much for all of that and all that you're doing and kind of leading this charge. Um, thank you. <laughs> I want to ask you more about, um, like, what kind of tips and advice you would give for other... There's a lot of college students and a lot of young adults who listen to this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So what advice would you give them for um, getting more involved in the pro-life movement? Um, maybe starting a club, things like that. But let's, let's start with if people are not quite involved in the movement, but they're pro-life, like, where would you recommend that they... Like, how they start to get a little bit more involved?
1: Mm-hmm. So when I talk to um, high school and college students, um, I always talk about the activist within. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like what I go to. And I always think and I always say that there's an activist within all of us. And that activist may look different for different people. You know, not everyone's going to paint pro-life dresses necessarily or have a podcast Mm -hmm. because that's just not the avenue that they're called to do.
0: Yeah.
1: But there is an activist within everybody. Um, for this, for this particular issue, because this issue is something that affects human life and that's our human family ultimately. So humanity is our, um, our top priority. And so if you're already pro-life, it's it's incredibly crucial that you use your voice to, um, share the pro-life message to as many people as you can, because if you don't, who will, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and from a practical standpoint, I would say, um... To get involved, I would say uh, if you're at if you're in a campus, definitely see if you have a students for life group or a pro life group, and, like already established, mm-hmm. um, and get as involved as you can. Because even if it's already established, you don't know if like that's an active group or if they just need more help. There's always more help to be needed, and if that club doesn't exist, then you might be that person who is called to start that club. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and ultimately bring all the other pro-life students from the school together. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times I notice pro-life students are just super silent. They're just not, they exist, but you don't know they exist because they don't speak out against it. And that's what we need. That's what we need in the United States right now to make a huge change, to overturn Roe v. Wade, to make abortion unthinkable and illegal, Mm -hmm. is to get people to be loud about the pro-life movement, to stand up and be brave and have courage against the vitriol that I know is in the pro-abortion side, um, oftentimes. And it does take a lot of courage to face that kind of hatred, um, even on a daily basis, if you get really involved, but it's worth it. It's worth it in the end, if you can save even just one life.
0: Mm, That's such a good way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, if my, like, little bit of discomfort by, like, speaking up or speaking out just saves one life, um, then it's all worth it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. For sure. Um, <clears throat> kind, of, kind of similar to, like, dealing with the discomfort um, and all the challenges that come with being, like, outspoken and being pro-life um, in our society and especially on campuses. Do you have any mm-hmm. tips for people who are already active in the pro-life movement on dealing with the hate that comes along with it? Um, whether that's on social media, the pushback, or just, like, people, like, like, face-to-face interactions, but, like, how do you mm-hmm. personally deal with all of the hate that comes with being pro-life?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. I'm always evolving with this this question myself, you know, and getting better at dealing with it. Um, I know there's a pivotal moment that I think of when I was, um, working with sfa in australia last year in march yeah. we went to um the university of sydney to do a human rights display and their feminist coalition came out and just were absolutely horrible they ripped up our stuff they were cussing at us all kinds of insane things and that moment really um helped me to learn more about what you should do in those kind of situations because we all collectively as our club and our um our group that was there with Students for Life, we agreed going into this situation that we would not respond. Like, we would just completely act as though they weren't there and just continue doing what we were there to do, which was to have calm, peaceful conversations with students that weren't cussing our faces, flipping us off, ripping our stuff, you know? Yeah. And it was so effective because ultimately they decided like they were bored. They didn't want to, they weren't getting the response that they wanted, which was just a response at all. Yeah. And they eventually left. And so that, that uh, experience helped me to apply the same kind of tactic with other situations. And it, it's a combination of knowing when to do that, knowing when to be silent or to walk away, and then also knowing when to maybe engage somewhat. But ultimately, the one thing you always can do and always should do is just have that underlying love for all human life because that's what you're there in the first place, as a pro-life activist, you have a love for all humanity, and that includes born people, that includes the born people who vehemently disagree with you, and you know, maybe they hate hate you intrinsically, but you don't hate them intrinsically, and that's that's really what's going to, I think, change a lot of people, um, if not completely from an ideological standpoint, but from a standpoint of they can walk away realizing, like, that person wasn't horrible to me. Like, that person showed me kindness even though I was horrible, you know?
0: Mm.
1: And so I think that's my number one go-to for activists who are already out there on the field, you know, getting getting hatred all the time, even online. Just be as um, as loving as you can. And, I mean, it's cliche, kill them with kindness, but yeah. it, it really is, mm-hmm. I think, True. the best way to respond to that kind of level of um misinformation and just you know mm-hmm. uh, disagreement and anger
0: yeah yeah that is so true and something i don't know i've i don't know i've been doing pro-life activism also since high school and like mm-hmm. something whenever i find myself frustrated with the pro-life movement like internally frustrated with it it's always because people are like saying that they're pro-life but then not acting pro-life yes
1: totally agree with you <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so I think it's important that I don't know like we need to be the walking example of being pro-life and treating every single person with as much dignity as we can muster and as much dignity as they deserve um yes I think it's so important and if there's one thing that like I would want to like change about the pro-life movement it would be that um hmm I agree. remembering that like we're a movement of peace um, and I feel like obviously the media does not do a good job like portraying the peaceful like loving side and they like mm-hmm. only harp on like the destructive or whatever like every once in a while when it happens um, right. but like that does exist and like I so wish it didn't because it gives a bad rep for the rest of us um, yep. yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah. pro-life is pro-love exactly Yes. Yeah. mm-hmm I feel like you must have that on a dress, don't you? I, think <laughs> I do actually. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. So, what are you planning on doing from here? Like, do you have any goals for life, dress, for the next few years? Like, I don't know. What are you? What are you brainstorming next?
1: Oh, that's a old big question because I do have a lot of different things planned. Um... I mean, the first thing is just to keep, you know, keep moving with the momentum that I have. There's always, you know, there's always more people who want to share the message through what they wear. And I'll always be painting dresses, I think. But Mm -hmm. there's a few different things I'm really looking forward to the next year and and next year after. Um, I'm planning to do a lot more with in-person selling at um, like secular events or events that may not be super friendly to the pro-life movement. Yeah. That's a goal of mine is to do, like, you know, I live in Vegas, and there's a lot of these marketplaces for sort of, like, the, the hippie vibe, like, selling yeah. vintage stuff or things that are in my niche, but not the pro-life niche, per se, mm-hmm. and so I want to get out there and um, sell my... My, uh, my shop, but at the same time, do activism with people who probably have no intention of purchasing anything that I'm selling. Yeah. So d- basically being out there um, as a presence in the movement to have discussions with people, even if I don't sell a single item. Mm. Um, another thing I'm really, really excited about this year is um, in May, I had, had this incredible, incredible opportunity to speak at the Canadian uh, March for Life in Ottawa. Wow about life dress yeah and um so i'm still blown away by the opportunity and so that's definitely something that i'm looking forward to doing to speaking with um young people about how they can get involved in the activism for life um and yeah i'm just there's a lot of of new things in store for life dress Uh, upcoming and i'm just super excited to get involved in everything i can
0: yeah that's so exciting and the canadian march for life like that is so cool congrats on that thank you um thank you so you're studying journalism i know this is a dreaded question and i hate answering it too but what are you thinking (laughs) after college maybe any any thoughts actually
1: yeah. Actually, I love this question. I'm one of the weird people okay. who, who love the question, like, <laughs> what is your plan? Because yeah. um, I'm a big planner, okay. so I actually have... Um, the goal and have applied to the master's program at Notre Dame to do their ACE teaching program, which is like this non-traditional master's program to teach in an underprivileged Catholic school in the United States for two years. And then you you leave with your master's and um, your teaching license and you get an amazing experience to share, um, you know, the good news with young people. Mm -hmm. So that's my plan. Straight out of, in fact, it starts in the summer. So, I'll go straight out of UNLV and hopefully right into Notre Dame. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, Thank you. I have a lot of friends from BC who go on to ACE um, and absolutely love it. Um, That is something that we haven't touched on. How does your faith impact and feed um, your pro-life activism? Do you have any Mm -hmm. tips, things that you want to share there? Sure. Um,
1: so it's interesting because I've always felt that when I first became a pro-life activist, like the moment that I believe I really started just speaking out intensely for it and never stopped mm-hmm. in high school, it was never necessarily connected directly to my Catholic faith. Yeah. It wasn't like I had been like, oh, yes, because of my Catholic faith, I will do this. Mm-hmm. It it was something that kind of um, entered my life slowly, like I made the connection almost weirdly later after i'd done it from a very scientific standpoint because you know as we all know this isn't an issue that's necessarily at all connected to religion you can be pro-life and um, not be religious because ultimately we see that you know we value humanity and human life starts at fertilization Mm -hmm. um so i had gone on that path uh since i um, became an activist. And it wasn't until quite a bit later, um, as my faith grew separately from this issue, actually, that I really, you know, connected the two and realized that I couldn't keep going without realizing that this isn't just a calling that, you know, fell from nowhere. And I'm just doing this because I feel like I should, that ultimately from, um, from my perspective, it is something that I'm called to from God and that it isn't just some random occurrence that this is something that I'm so passionate about from the bottom of my soul. Mm -hmm. And so even though I don't do pro-life activism um, with the stance that because I'm Catholic, this is why you should believe this, that's the underlining um, reason why I'm personally doing it and why I think, um, and also because... A lot of Catholics, I've spoken to a lot of Christians and Catholics who don't realize that, you know, this is something that we should all be fighting for Mm -hmm. intensely, like with our lives. This is something that needs to happen right now. And just um, another reason that I really connected the two actually was during a mission trip that I took with Students for Life back when um, Rock for Life, an organization that um, now is kind of connected with Students for Life, mm-hmm. in 2018, I had the opportunity to go on a multi-state, two-month-long van tour um, with wow. them to a bunch of Christian rock festivals and music festivals, mm-hmm. and it was there that I spoke with hundreds and hundreds of Christians who... Some had no idea of fetal development or, like, they didn't realize that pro-life meant this or that they have a role in it, you know, and that it's more than just, like, a word that you attach to yourself, like, I'm pro-life, but I don't know why. And it was in that experience that I really connected the fact that this is something that isn't just, um, like, winning over people who aren't religious either, but also showing those who are, who do believe that... um, the human life is ultimately so valuable and, and created uniquely, and that we should be protecting it at all costs.
0: Mm. Such such a solid answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, um, yeah. There's so much there, and you're so right. Your first kind of point about how this is an issue that should be approached with science um, and mm-hmm. even secular philosophy, kind of first. Um, yeah. This is not. This is something that is supported by the faith. Um, completely and holy, but it doesn't need to start there. Um, exactly. Yeah, which I think is something that's special about secular pro-life clubs. Like I went to a Catholic high school, so like that was, I don't know, like a Catholic club. And like we, I don't know, it was through campus ministry. We met in the campus ministry office, but that's something mm-hmm. that's distinct, even at BC, which is a Jesuit Catholic school. Like our pro-life club is secular. Um, and I don't know, I'm sure you can share in that. It's a It's a very... I don't know, it's refreshing sometimes to take a step out of the church and to approach it from the science of philosophy angle. Um, And really important, because not everyone is going to be won over um, by faith-based documents. Exactly,
1: yeah. Because if you're talking with someone who doesn't believe in in God or believe in Jesus or anything like that, and they'll laugh at you if you talk about that, then if you start that as your momentum into the pro-life movement, you're not going to win them on either thing. You know, It's the whole meet them where they're at kind of situation mm. where you can you can uh advocate for one issue first and then maybe you'll be able to evangelize later mm. but it's not necessarily where you should start from in order to share about why we should be valuing people mm.
0: so true so true yeah and i love to the meet them where they're at like that should be the motto of the pro-life movement <laughs> yes definitely for sure all right um We have to wrap up in a few minutes. This time went by so fast, but I have, (laughs) we do a little thing at the end of the podcast called Catholic Quick Questions. Um, It's just a few questions to kind of get to know you better. Um, So you're ready for my quick questions? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the first question is, what's your favorite book of the Bible?
1: Oh, that's tough. Um, Probably Syriac.
0: Okay. Good one. Um what's your favorite book in general
1: ooh, uh, honestly, I really like Catcher in the Rye
0: ooh, that is so funny that you said that. I recorded a podcast like two hours ago with someone and he said the exact same book oh really yeah that okay. wow yeah he's That's a crazy. a campus minister at Boston College and does like music ministry, so completely oh, nice. different and he's like sixty five and he's a guy and Yeah. Okay. We're just, like, (laughs) diversity, but we are all loving that book right now. Um, Nice. Cool. That's great. Um, What is your favorite, like, pro-life resource? So, like, a podcast, a website, a speaker, anything. Like, what's your go-to pro-life media that you enjoy?
1: Mm, I would say probably, like, Students for Life, um like headquarters or the live action, just live action videos in general. I'm always going to live action to get um, just like quick videos to show proportion individuals. Yes. So I'd say live action or Students for Life.
0: Yeah, I, I second the live action thing. They're just, they're so good. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite place that you've ever traveled to?
1: Um, I would go with um, Ireland, the coast of Ireland.
0: Ooh, that's a fun answer. When did you go there?
1: I went there uh, two years ago on a like European tour. So I went to like 12 countries or so around the whole region area.
0: Huh. So. That's super cool.
1: Very. Cool. Or actually, I want to change my answer. I'm sorry. Okay. Actually, the Holy Land. I'll say the Holy Land.
0: Yes. I'm actually studying abroad in Jerusalem in the fall. Um, oh, wow. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. I went on pilgrimage in high school and like just fell in love with it. Um, yes. Yeah. Super cool That's place. amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question. Trying to figure out which, what order to do this in. Um, if you could meet any Pope, which Pope would you want to meet?
1: Mm, that's a good question. Um. Honestly, I would honestly want to meet Pope Francis just to, like, understand him more, you know, yeah. just to have a conversation, if I could have a conversation with him through translators or something. Yeah. But. Huh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I. I might second you there. Um very social justice ish. Yeah.
1: Yes. Like yeah. I wanna know like why where his his loyalties land with certain things and mm. just like, get into his head a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, if you could be best friends with any one saint, who would you pick?
1: Um, Saint Gianna Molla, for sure. Uh,
0: perfect pro life answer and that's <laughs> beautiful.
1: <laughs> She's my confirmation saint too, so
0: Aww, that's that's amazing. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, so based on kind of everything that we've talked about, um, this does not need to be a quick answer, but do you? what's like one piece of advice or one takeaway that you want college students and young adults to take away from your message? What's one piece of advice that you would want to leave them with after listening to this podcast?
1: Hmm. I will say my one piece of advice. I'm actually going to take advice that someone gave me and reshare it because um, it was so impactful for me. So uh, this past or last January, um, I had the incredible opportunity to meet Vice President Mike Pence and his takeaway message for us when we were there at the roundtable at the White House was um, show up and always show up when you um, are called to something or when you have an opportunity for something. And that's something that I've lived by before that, but ever since he said that to us and um, he spoke to me about, like, keep painting for life and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. um, I realized how how it's so true that is and how important it is, especially for pro-life people and activists to always show up when you are given an opportunity to show up. Like, if you have a chance to share a message with somebody on campus or you have a chance to, you know, travel halfway across the world to share that message or just something that takes you out of your comfort zone insanely, like, beyond anything you could imagine, do it. Mm -hmm. And definitely do it because if you don't, then I don't know who will because we need every single person who stands against abortion who knows the truth about abortion to be a voice against it so we can bring everyone to the same to the same momentum um so yeah that's my message is show up and be there and be be the voice that
0: stands for those who can't speak Mm, that's so beautiful thank you that yeah that is perfect advice (laughs) i have nothing to add to that (laughs) Um, all right it has been so so nice chatting with you um yeah, and listeners. Yeah,
1: thank you so much, Olivia. I really appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Um, what social media and um, places can listeners find you? So,
1: social media, um, Instagram. I'm at Life Dress ORG um, And my personal Instagram is um, at Angelique C. Clark. Perfect. And then um, Facebook. I'm on Facebook, Angelique Clark, and also Life Dress is on there too.
0: Nice. And where can people find Life Dress to shop? LifeDress.org is the the shop. Yep. Awesome. It has been such a joy to talk to you. And listeners, we will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to this episode of the To The Heights podcast. And a big thank you to Angelique for calling in all the way from Las Vegas um, into today's show. It was so much fun. Um, It's such a good good wholesome conversation i hope that you have some takeaways um, about activism about being pro life and pro love um and using your own gifts and talents to advance this very important movement um however that looks for you whether that's supporting the elderly supporting um the disabled supporting the pre-born um supporting whoever is in front of you and caring for them as if they were christ show up show up and do it um we are called to be saints and we gotta drag each other there for sure Um, and the only way to do that is to recognize each other's dignity and treat each other as Christ would. Um, that's all a lot, but it is so, so very good. Um, be sure to check out lifedress.org, um, and all of Angelique's social media, which I will have that all linked below. Um, just a reminder that, that sounded so official, just a reminder, um, but Grexley is the brand new podcasting division of the Catholic TV network that To The Heights is so excited to be a part of, along with seven other Catholic TV podcasts, all under this Grexley umbrella. You can find all of those podcasts um, and all of their episodes at grexley.com or anywhere that you stream your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and lots of other places. Um, but we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash grexley, if you feel called to support this little new division of Catholic TV and all that we were trying to do in spreading the good news. Um, Different tiers of our Patreon have different cool things like behind-the-scenes videos, um, text posts once a month from every podcast creator, as well as merch, um, original artwork. I put up a lock screen in March, um, like a wallpaper to the heights situation. Um, So all sorts of fun things behind the scenes there um we do have a grexley shop with to the heights merch which is crazy um with a mountain goat on it see previous episodes if you want to hear about why it's a mountain goat <laughs> it's a good time uh that is on grexley.com um on the shop tab I'm trying to think if there's anything else if you have any guest recommendations that you would like to give us um shoot us an email at um, to the heights podcast at gmail.com or you can find us and follow along um, for more podcast news funny things goat gifts whatever at to the heights ctv on twitter instagram and facebook and you can find me at Olivia Rose underscore art or oliviaroseart.com i will talk to you guys next week and keep on reaching to the heights